five pretty soon. man i think we can go ahead and get started today all right good evening everyone this is rashad and i'd like to thank you all for tuning in to another installment of the wealthy educator where we seek to empower educators and others alike today we have a very special guest but before we get to that please head over to the youtube channel and subscribe to the wealthy educator please share this video and ask your followers to do the same we look forward to adding great content in the near future today's guest is half of the dynamic duo known as Black, Married, and Debt-Free. He and his wife, Shira, host a podcast and a YouTube channel that boasts almost 30,000 subscribers. One of their main claims to fame is paying off $110,000 worth of debt in 2017. Ladies and gentlemen, I welcome Mr. Marcus Murray. How are you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing great, man. I appreciate the, the intro, man. It made me feel like somebody, man. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's about 30,000 people right now that, that make you feel like somebody. Man, hey, man, I appreciate it. Man. Thank hey, man, so, so, yeah, man, I'm excited to definitely talk to you, man. I've, I've spoken with some people, and I got some people lined up as well. Yeah. I don't know if you listen to Rich and Regular. and Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we're going to be talking to them soon. I talked to J.L. Collins last month, and, man, it was exciting, you know? Yes, sir. Some really good info so i'm definitely looking forward to the nuggets that you're going to drop today all right cool man i'm happy, I'm happy to be on excited man hey, hey awesome man hey man why don't you tell us a little bit about uh you know black married and debt free man tell us a little bit about yourselves cool man so i mean uh it's all kind of started with me and my wife uh getting married in, in 2007 uh going on 14 years now um and we got married really young uh both grew up from like a church background so all we knew was just like get married and we'll figure out the rest right uh that philosophy has obviously it's a little bit different with millennials now but uh <laughs> we married really young and and we didn't really have a blueprint as to you know where our lives would end up financially we just knew we were in love and wanted to kind of build it together so um as the years went on uh i, I was 
raised to be a serial hustler. And I, you know, I always felt like there's there's nothing I couldn't dig my no hole I couldn't dig myself out of. And unfortunately, it came to a point where I was overworking myself. And uh, I wasn't being responsible financially. I was just kind of like, man, I'll just get, I'll get the side hustle to pay for it. You know, uh, my wife likes to make fun of me because she would always say, well, I want to get X, Y, and Z. Do we have enough money? And me being in charge of the finance at that time, I would just be like, we have more than enough. That was my, my go-to. I didn't know what was in there, but I, I didn't want to tell her no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. You know what I mean? Happy wife, yeah. happy life. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and so unfortunately we came to a point when I, uh, was working two full-time jobs and I had to let one go. So that had us at a level where there was no more hiding how much we were bringing in as opposed to how much was going out. And so uh, we kind of had a meeting of the minds and I let her know like, uh, you know, I have to, we have to really, we're in a tough spot and I'm, I'm gonna have to dig us out of this, but could we put our brains together and figure out a way to kind of get out of it? And so we were able to do that. It, that, that looked like me getting a better paying job, uh, looked like her going back into the workforce for a period of time, and uh, we were out of out of uh, a, a bad situation. But we knew we didn't want to go. We didn't ever want to be in that again. So we began strategizing how to pay off our debt. And in uh, 2017, we were actually able to pay off all of our consumer debt and all of our uh, you know our, our existing mortgage, student loans, things like that. And you know that was really how we kind of started Black Mary Debt Free, which was just us organically sharing how we did it, you know? And so yeah. it's kind of taken on a life of its own. Uh, none of this was really planned other than just wanting to uh, vlog and, and, and be creative. So that's kind of why, how we are, where we are today. Man, that's awesome, man. And you guys have been married, like you said, about 14 years. You look kind of young. You got young yeah. kids, right? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm 36, going on 36. My wife uh, just turned 35, hope she won't be mad. <laughs> y'all babies man i just hit 41 so i'm like okay, I okay. I was 36 again so right. how long have you been in debt did you is it one of those deals like when you hit 18 you got a credit card in college or what yeah yeah started off with just you know the credit card you know you start with one and then you, that blossoms to more than one and uh then my wife uh, went to school uh, got her bachelor's degree and so we we were uh, she took out student loans there then we got a you know car note we had that and then our, our mortgage. Um, and so it just kind of from the inception of our marriage until we decided to, you know, kind of hit a rough spot and had to make that change, we were in debt. And so we never knew what life was without debt, you know? So uh, it was very monumental for us to climb ourselves out of that and then start our wealth building journey from there. That's that's awesome, man. And I, I will, I've always told people the most powerful day I've ever had in my financial life was when we hit a negative, I'm sorry, a zero dollar net worth. Like yeah. we've, yes. been, we've been in a red for so long, man. And when we got to that zero, that was powerful. And ever since then, it's just been climbing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. One of the comments that I, I, I read from you all is that wealth building starts in the mind. Can you kind of explain that? Yeah. I mean, it's just like anything else when when you don't see it. And, and, and the, what I love about this uh, renaissance of just me and you having this conversation, two, two brothers talking about finance. What I love about it is that we're making it the norm for the next generation. But unfortunately for our generation, we didn't see black people talking about finance, financial education, anything like that. You know, if you were doing good, you wanted to keep that secret because you don't want nobody in your pockets. And if you were doing bad, 
you didn't want to talk about it because it was it was kind of taboo. So not seeing it, uh, you have to you wrestle with uh, believing you can do it. And yeah. that's why I said it starts in the mind first. It starts with uh, believing that it's possible. And I think once you can uh, fix your mind on something and I like to preach, you know, writing down the vision, writing down the goal, writing down the strategy, because something and, and be, put it somewhere where you can see it tangibly, because uh, that starts to, uh, you know, work your mind and, 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 and you, you stand a better chance of completing that goal when you're seeing it and when you're you're first seeing it, uh, visualizing it in your mind. So I think that's why the it starts in your mind thing is very important. Uh, a lot of times we, we have these lofty goals. But, you know, you have to see it before you actually see it tangibly a lot of times. So that's kind of where I got where we got that quote. Gotcha. And it's like if you don't have a roadmap to getting out of debt and being financially secure and, and debt free, then you won't be successful. Yeah. And in order to create that roadmap, you need to begin in your mind. You need to believe that you can do it. Yes. So yes. I completely understand everything you're saying. I'm looking at one of the comments uh, by Don Johnson said black men talking about building wealth. Yep, I'm all here for it. So man, we, we don't have that we don't have that conversation a lot, man. So yeah, it's yeah. just something that we have to do. Yeah. So we we talk to teachers quite a bit about you know getting out of debt and becoming financially free. And I actually have an interview scheduled with the, the millionaire teacher in a wow. few months. He, yeah, he's writing a, he's writing a new book, and he he became a millionaire I think on fifty thousand dollars a year. Uh, yeah, but the most powerful tool was that he stayed out of debt. He got out of debt, stayed out of debt, and he was able to save quite a bit of money. Yeah. Are you part of the FIRE movement? You know, uh, I, I definitely rock heavy with the FIRE movement. We, we, we are definitely wanting to retire early. Um, we maybe not aren't as extreme on some of the uh, philosophy. You know, we're not actually putting that into practice currently, Some you know, some of the extremes, but we are definitely looking to retire before the uh, 65 and a half, uh, you know, kind of benchmark for sure. And, uh, you know, a lot of the philosophies that go along with the fire movement, you know, we're implementing into our wealth building strategy. I more so probably than my wife. My wife actually enjoys what she what she does. So God yeah. bless her. Me, if I could be done tomorrow, I would be. <laughs> what do y'all do? What do y'all do? So my wife works for the Department of Agriculture for UC Davis. Uh, and I work for By Talent, which is a blood, uh, uh, one of the largest blood banks in uh, the United States. I'm working the uh, IT department there, so you know it's it's not necessarily my passion. You know, for me, I don't know if there's any one thing I want to do 40 hours a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of a, a very creative person. I'm a musician. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy you know editing uh, you know videos and different things. So I'm just a creative guy. I want to kind of have a little bit more freedom. Yeah, so that's that's kind of where my mindset is. Yeah, we'll make sure that your employer does not see this interview. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you know what? I, and I understand. Like, I, so I absolutely I love what I do. You know, I, right. I love what I do. And you know, most educators that get into the game, they do it because it's a passion to them. Yes. However, one of the disturbing things that I have seen over the years, you would see these educators who would you know who would, they will bust it for years, 40, 45, 50 years, because they really love. The kids and they felt like they were cheating the kids by getting out of the game gotcha. even when they were eligible to retire and then you know a year or two after they retirement they would i've seen them die and it's like man you work 40 50 years to enjoy a year or two in retirement and i just said you know what that cannot be me as much as i love what i do 
Yeah. Just I, I already know my retirement date, December 2033. And, yeah, and I'm out game. You know, I can I can I'll be a crossing guard or I will I will tutor kids. <laughs> I'll do those kind of things. But yeah, I'm a, I'll let it let it go to the younger cats at that time, you know? Yeah. Uh, what you know, what are some of the what what kind of advice do you have for you know, like an 18 year old coming out of high school this year? Somebody's gonna graduate. I've always said stay out of debt. Stay out of debt, stay out of debt. But what other advice do you have for somebody who, you know, graduates in 2021? Man, I think the stay out of debt piece is huge uh, because that will benefit you exponentially going forward. Uh, one of the ways it would benefit you is, um, you know, when you finally get employment and when you finally, you know, start earning money, you're able to invest. And I think the time cost of money is something that, uh, we all, me and my wife often talk about, you can't get time back. You can't get uh, the the time that your money takes to earn. You, you can't, you can't outgive that, you know, once the time has gone, you know? And so I would say staying out of debt. And then once you're able to get employment, even if you're putting, I mean, whatever you can put away in the, in the stock market or in, in some type of uh, investment vehicle, do it as early as you can, because the numbers show that by starting early and letting it compound, you might not even have to do it as long, you know, but if you kind of wait and try to jump in and start investing in your, your late 20s, your 30s, you're going to have to kick in more to make up for that time. And, and it's really like, you know, trying to swim without a life jacket, you know what I mean? And, and yeah. so that was one thing that if I could go back and tell 18 year old Marcus, that's what I would tell him. Uh, so. Yeah, I think that's good. And 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 like how you say, get into something you love. I mean, for me, I started working so early that I just developed that muscle, that work muscle. And it was hard for me to take a step back and say, well, let me find my let me find this thing I love to do. What I love to do is just be active and, and be, uh, you know, kind of a, a hustler. But I, at times I, I wish I sit back and I say, you know, I wish I took more time on the front end to really decide what is that thing I that I want to do, you know. So now for me, the excitement is is retiring so I could take that time and figure out but when, what are my passions? Man, I might want to, you know, okay, this I never knew I wanted to do that, but I was so busy running, I didn't get a chance to sit and reflect. So I think when you're younger, take that time then to reflect and say, you know what, I really want to get into, into education or I want to get into, you know, different things. So that would be my advice. Man, that's some great advice because, you know, as an educator over the years, I've seen students who parents are pushing them in a particular direction. They want to push them towards a career that they feel is going to make them financially secure or something that they want them to do. Right. And I've seen the kids reluctantly do that. And then it's hard to be successful when, when you do that, when you're doing something, you know, you don't necessarily have a passion for that somebody else is pushing you towards. Very true. And, and my belief is that, you know, you can be successful. You can be financially well off doing almost anything as long as you can stay out of debt. Yeah. And, you know, you, you're doing something you love to do. You could put in extra hours if you have to at the beginning and then, you know, go from there. Yes. And I'll say this, man. You know, one of my biggest regrets is that obviously getting into debt. But even when, you know, we follow Dave Ramsey, like a lot of people, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he tells you, hey, don't save any money. Stop saving money until you're out of debt. And when I look at the stock market, even if we were simultaneously saving into retirement, you know, in, into index funds at the same time as getting out of debt, we'd be a lot better off than, than getting it, just getting out of debt, you know? Yeah. 
And so what do you think about the emergency fund? I, mean, I see you you talk a lot about the emergency fund. What's your what's your take on that? Man, it, you know, the the transition or I love to watch the the trajectory of me and Shire's content. Right. Because like how you, you speak, we were really heavy on the Dave Ramsey piece, really heavy on the debt free piece. And while we still agree with that uh, and, and our content reflects that our earlier content, we, we, we've gone through somewhat of a transition, man, because I think for Ramsey, he kind of and that philosophy, they kind of don't give you very much to do after that. And 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 so because of that, we've kind of shied away from that. And we're more like how you said, there's a way that you can pay off your debt and still simultaneously invest and, and, and build wealth. Uh, and so that's kind of where where we are now. You know, we still are heavy preaching on the debt because no debt affords you more opportunity to invest. So I think that that's a beautiful thing. But like I said earlier, you just can't get back that time. And so it's really a judgment call and a case by case basis. It's like, hey, I could, you know, pause the the saving and investing to pay off my debt, uh, or maybe I could figure out a way where I can do both. So I, I, I advise people to don't just. There's no one size fits all, and that's mm-hmm. one thing we've learned too. Uh, it's personal finance for a reason. It's personal, you know. So cater it to your situation, to your tolerance, and and just consider. Man, figuring out a way where maybe you could do both, you know, like how you said, even if it's just kicking away something into a Roth IRA or something very simple, index funds of sort of some sort, you know, is going to benefit you in the long run. Man, I'm glad that you said that, man. Like, I think one of the most ridiculous things I hear is to leave your match, your 401k or 403b match alone to pay off debt. I'm like, at least if you're going to do anything, save up to your match and then start paying off debt, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> And, and even, you know, and I don't want to get too into what his philosophy is, but even some of the, the philosophy on uh, home purchase, man, for African-Americans, uh, real estate is the if you study the, the statistics, the income uh, gap between a, a African, your average African-American household and your average white household is a home. And so for us, some of the you know, you know, sell your sell this house so you can pay off your debt and sell that and sell that that second home you have so you can pay off your debt. Some of that, I, I, it doesn't work for us like it works for our Caucasian counterparts. I think we have to consider that sometime. And yeah. so it's definitely not a one size fits all. So even the strategy on owning homes, uh, I, I kind of push back on uh, some of his philosophies there, too. I agree, man. That's a great point. And now I guess you made it easy to transition in the next the next topic, which is about your rental properties. I, I know you have rental properties out of state. Yes, okay. sir. Okay, can you tell us a little bit about that wealth building strategy? Yeah, yeah. So when we were paying off our debt, we had a lot of time. Um, we call it maintenance. So when you're in the, the the mode of paying down your debt, you're gonna hit a lull. You're gonna hit a time when it's like this is all that I'm doing. You know, especially when you're hitting that big bill. If that's your mortgage or you know. Uh, so during that time, we took that opportunity to say, OK, let's focus on what's next for us. And Shire brought up real estate investing. And uh, we were before that, we were just going to take all of our extra money. We were going to go aggressively into the stock market. But then she started bringing up real estate investing and started showing me different you know, videos and podcasts on individuals who are getting uh, into real estate via the buy and hold 
strategy. And that's where you simply buy a home uh, and rent it out to a tenant and you kind of keep the cash flow or reinvest the cash flow, whatever you want to do. And when she first shared that with me, I was like, oh, I don't know, because a good margin on something like that, uh, there's a few different ROI metrics that are used, but a good return, maybe $200, $300 cash flow a month mm -hmm. on, on, a one, on a property. And I was like, mm, those margins don't sound too good. But the more I started to do research, I started to see, wait, this thing could really start to compound and balloon and, and real estate could be a self-sustaining thing that really doesn't affect other than the initial down payment doesn't really affect my pockets at all. Yeah, yeah. I said, you know what? Let me look into that. So we got into it and uh, we went ahead and just kind of just dove out there and we bought our first investment property in uh, Greensboro. Now we live in California and we knew that to get an investment property out here, the margins were going to be really bad because it's just very expensive. Mm -hmm. And so we said, you know, we had paid off our house. So this was the first anti Dave Ramsey move, right? We paid off our house. <laughs> said, you know what? Let's, let's look into a, uh, a, uh, um, the name escapes me, but, uh, uh, is it BRRR or something like that? Uh, no, no, no. It's, uh, uh, we use, we we're tapping to the equity of, in our home. Home equity loan. I'm sorry. Home equity line of credit. Home exactly. equity line. HELOC. Yeah. So HELOC. we said, Let's tap into a home equity line of credit. So we did that. And with that, you kind of your home becomes the bank. So you can tap into it, pay it back, and that line is still there. So we 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 tapped into some of the equity and bought a home cash in uh Greensboro that was able to cash flow us so we could pay ourselves back and still have uh reserves. And so with those reserves, we just paid the home off. And so in a couple of years, we were able to pay the home off and uh we, we went back and we did it again, you know. Um, and so it's really been great for us. And we recently just got our third property. So now the properties are paying for themselves. Yeah. So the cash flow from the three homes will balloon and then eventually buy us our fourth home. So now it's become this self-sustaining thing where we can still use our work W-2 income to invest in the stock market. So now mm -hmm. we're able to do both things. So it really worked out well for us. Okay. So where are the other two properties that you have that are investment properties? So we have two in Greensboro and the Greensboro market kind of skyrocketed. So we so when we went back for our third, we said, OK, we need to look somewhere else. So we bought our third in uh, Montgomery, Alabama. And so that market is it's it's, it's doing well and uh, it's kind of on the rise, too. Well, nationwide, people are just yeah. buying it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy, especially here in DFW. I mean, it's, yeah. I just saw a home that was listed for three ninety five went for like four eighty five. <laughs> right, it was just crazy. It was crazy, just absolutely man. crazy. Well, that, that's that's awesome, man. Now, how do you go about finding these properties and vetting the the tenants? Do you use a property management company or what? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we get that question a lot. As far as the 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 acquisitions piece, um, I like to tell people that you have to find your core four, and if you find one good one, they'll find the other three for you. So your financing, you want to get that in place, uh, your real estate agent, a contractor, and your property management. Your, those are your, your four. And usually, I like to start with the real estate agent. If you find a good agent, they'll have built, they, they would have had built good relationships with uh, those others, and they could point you in a direction. A lot of times, they have a finance person they work with. Uh, they have a, a property manager who, in turn, will have a contractor that's on staff there. So we definitely... Uh, when we're dealing with out of state, we we like to advise 
to go with a property manager because it's been very passive for us. Now, as the, your portfolio grows, now you're dealing with maybe five, 10 homes. You may want to look into, OK, well, how can I manage this myself? Because those the 10 percent per house management fee will begin to add up at that point. But for us currently, we definitely use a property manager and, and it worked, it's worked out great for us. Now, you want to make sure you find a good one, because if you find yeah. a bad one, oh, man, it's it a nightmare, be, huh? It could be a nightmare. It could be and a nightmare. So the, the COVID restrictions and everything, they haven't really, you know, I mean, have, have your tenants been been good with paying? Yeah, knock, yeah, knock on wood, we have had no issues with, with our tenants. And, uh, you know, we were prepared for that, though. And so to that, you know, when you're getting your cash flow, you want to make sure you're saving it. You're saving it. You're, you're saving it for those capital expenditures and those different things, repairs, but not only repairs, but your vacancies, because you never know when something like this is going to hit. So we're prepared for that. But knock on wood, our tenants have been able to pay thus far. So everything has been been pretty good. That's awesome, man. So when you actually were researching, y'all, you and your wife both decided, hey, Sacramento is a little too expensive. California is a little too expensive. How do you go about researching markets that probably will provide you with the cash flow you you prefer. Yeah. So we first started by just kind of like we like to make fun of the uh, uh, the movie Coming to America, the first one when they spun the globe and they just kind of pointed and yeah. landed on Queens. We kind of did that, man. We, we just started taking different areas like we looked in San Antonio. We looked in uh, Georgia, you know, uh, Warner Robins, Georgia. We looked in some areas that you know, we thought, OK, well, let's kind of do some research there. So what we're looking for is you're we're looking for um, we didn't we didn't we didn't want to be in any neighborhoods that were D grade neighborhoods or lower. We wanted to look at least C and up. That's kind of where we wanted to be. Neighborhoods that have uh, or areas that have good em employment. We, we look at the historical weather conditions. And we want to, you know, we don't want to be in a hot bed spot for, you know, too many tornadoes and different things like that. Um, and so those are kind of some of the things we look at. And then, of course, the numbers. We want to know what can we get for a three bed, two bath or what can we get for, you know, this type of home uh, rent wise and how much is going to cost us to pay the, the, the mortgage on that home. And so if we kind of run those numbers. And when we get a cash flow number that looks good, we just pull, we kind of, you know, pull the trigger on that. Um, understanding that we're going to, because these are investment properties, we have to come up with 20% uh, down payment financing on that mm -hmm. with a conventional loan. So knowing that, okay, we're going to have to have that much skin in the game. But after that, you know, it will pretty much pay for itself. So we want to make sure that our numbers look good. Uh, a good rule of thumb is what's known as the 1% rule. So if you, find a house that costs you a hundred thousand uh, dollars the you know you want to at least be getting a thousand dollars rent on that home that's kind of a good rule of thumb to weed out any bad investments kind of quickly so you Absolutely. know if i'm not at least if i'm not getting that i'm not even gonna look at that house let's move on to the next one yeah that's a good point that's a great point so you have eight streams of income correct yeah might be a little a couple more by now but yeah oh man go ahead if you want to go ahead and, and run through some of those Man, okay, so we have our W two jobs. Uh, then I'm also a musician that has an online business. So I partner with a a company that we sell music for churches and ministries that don't have musicians. So mm -hmm. we we get with uh, the art, actual artists 
who create some of the most popular songs that are sung in churches and we recreate those songs, sell those to churches in karaoke form. And then we split the, the dividend with the actual artist. And so that has been very passive. That's been something that I do. Uh, we also have a podcast. Uh, we're uh, pretty heavy on YouTube as well. Yeah. We get ads and money from that. And then um, I recently started a, a clothing company uh actually this is my one here so it's uh that that's been a, a nice revenue stream i don't do this anymore but i last year i kind of drove for uber drove for some different rideshare companies just for you know some youtube content and kind of just to get a feel for how 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 that business model worked and so that was something that i did last year that brought in some money um so my my thing is just not being ashamed to try anything you know that's, that's, that's kind of where i'm at uh you know, I'm just trying to get to my to my my goal. So, man, I can I can definitely respect that, man. I, I've <laughs> I've worked multiple jobs as well. Yeah. Uh, like I told you, I'm a school administrator and I, I'm a realtor. Just had a closing on Friday. Money hit nice. Nice. money hit the account today, man. So, <laughs> you know what? It's it's all good in the hood, you know. Yes, it's sir. All good, man. So, hey, why don't you also go ahead and tell us about your how, how you look at generational wealth? Because you have two children, don't you? Yes, yes. You have a boy and a girl, two boys. Yeah, I have a boy and a girl. My son just turned eight and my daughter six. Okay. Uh, so, man, generational wealth for me, uh, it, it could be broad, but in the simplest form, it's leaving your kids with, with more than you were left with. I think if, if every generation does that at whatever level, you're creating generational wealth. So for me, uh, it could be as simple as the real estate. So... I tell my kids now I'm kind of getting them uh, used to hearing the language around real estate. And, and I'm letting them know that as long as you take care of this, when mommy and daddy are no longer here, you guys can continue to collect. It's, and, and you can pass that on to your kids and so on and so forth. So even something as simple as that. Then also, you know, we set up uh, custodial uh, accounts for them that we manage where they can, you know, start getting in the into the, the stock market and, and investing in some ETFs that way. And, you know, obviously when they want to go to college, we will be able to help them there. So, you know, it's just important to me. I, I talk about the gentleman who uh, came up with the, the idea for GoPro. His parents, uh, he wanted to go to college. He didn't want to be in school at the time. So his parents said, well, why don't you go ahead and just travel the world, son? So he got to travel. And he was surfing on different beaches all over the country. And, and he thought to himself one day, man, it would be cool if I had a camera that could kind of be with me while I'm doing some of this fun stuff. So he mm -hmm. came back to his parents and, and said, I have the idea for this thing called GoPro where it goes with me. I just need an initial investment. And so his parents were actually able to give him the money to start that. And I think a lot of times, you know, your child may have an idea that, that can really change the world. But a lot of times you don't have the seed money. To, to get that to them. So I want to be in a position to where if my son at 18 says, hey, dad, I, mean, I got this idea. I need, you know, twenty five, fifty thousand dollars to get it off the ground. I can give him that, you mm -hmm. know, so that's that's the goal. That's passion on generational wealth to me. Putting your kids and giving your kids more than you had, you know, at that same age, I think uh, is what it means to me. Man, that's that's great, man. I, I totally, totally agree with you, man. Like a lot of time. Our kids might have ideas or we might have ideas. We don't have the seed money, nor do we have the, the credit to make it happen. 
Yes. You know, so and a lot of that stuff is generational, like, you know, it's, it's been passed down. And, yeah. you know, I, I can I can definitely appreciate that. Yeah. So if you can, I'll give you a chance, I guess, at the end to you know promote any businesses you have. I definitely would like to get some of that apparel that you have. OK, great. T-shirts, whatever you can. I can get some for myself and for some cool. members of my family. So I definitely cool. that information. So obviously, one of the biggest hurdles to financial wealth is if you are in a marriage, you have a, a counterpart, you have a, a spouse, they have to be on board. And you know, and my, I see my wife just hopped on, but you know, <laughs> my wife is super, super, super duper supportive. Yeah. She is the she is the free spirit, you know? So obviously people, you know, opposites attract when it comes to those things. How do you go about getting your, how did you get your wife on board or how did she get you on board? Man, that's a great question. Um, as, as far as the debt payoff piece, I like to say like both of our backs were against the wall in that instance. So it was less room for negotiation. You know, we, it was a goal that we both knew we had to get to. So for, you know, that was essentially a little more easier to, to converge and, and be on the same uh, wavelength there. But when it comes to investing, that's where we've seen our different money personalities come into, come into place. And so, you know, for us, I think the number one thing has been understanding each other's money personality. And that can be one person is a saver. One person's a risk taker. One person is a uh, security seeker. Right. And so I know that my wife, she she is a security seeker. So she wants to invest. But at the same time, she wants to feel secure. So because I know that when I come to her with this ambitious investing opportunity and she's her first inclination is, I don't know. It doesn't frustrate me. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't, I don't get frustrated because I know, okay, she just needs to, I need to show her the security in this. So I think that that's important when you're partnering with your spouse is to know, like how you said, you, you, your wife is this way, I'm this way. And now that we know that we can move forward and by, you know, and, and, and reach our goal. So that has been key for us. Um, also, yeah, I mean, I'm more of a of the risky type. So I have to I have to know if I'm coming to her, I gotta have this really spelled out. You know what I mean? It's gotta make sense. It can't just make sense to me. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. On paper too. So mm -hmm. just knowing that has has really helped us going forward. So I would advise, you know, anyone with their partner, make sure you kind of know each other, uh, because it can only help. And and another thing, man, that we've really been heavy on lately is is to stay together, right? So no matter what you're doing, if you're doing it together and there's division or there's frustration, maybe take a step back. When we talk about content creation, we, we do that together. And sometimes they can get a bit contentious, you know? And we know that this content isn't bigger than us being together. So, you know, the family unit staying together is so, so important when you're building well. Because when you start dividing that thing up, I've had friends tell me, gone through divorce, they say, man, I wouldn't wish this on, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Yeah. And so knowing that, man, I, I want to do whatever I can to make sure just that alone, if you don't do anything but keep the family units together, you will be better off than you would be breaking this thing up and going at it alone and trying to figure that out. So that's something that we've been really preaching lately. Man, my brother, I really appreciate that. And I agree with you. Yeah, I know you probably know his and her money. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We're we, we going to be sitting down and talking with them next Monday. Oh, that's and, yeah, man. My wife was like, I don't want to be on it. I was like, no, I need you on. I, I, want, I want you by my side. <laughs> so, right, right. It's a partnership, man. I think we we in this together. And, you know, I, I'm happy to say if anything ever happened to me, my wife would be completely uh, financially stable because everything I save for myself, she saves for herself the same exact amount of money every month we, we save for each other. So, you know, right. it's, it's exciting, man. You know, so what, what kind of investment vehicles are you using right now? So currently um, we're in, in, uh, in the real estate buy and hold uh, strategy and then we're also investing in, in the stock market via index funds and ETFs. So we're definitely taking advantage of our both of our employers um, 401k match. I have a 401k. My wife has a 403b. So we're heavy in that. And also we each have uh, Roth IRAs. And so that's that's really how we're maximizing our investments right now. Uh, I want to get a little heavier in, in the real estate and be a little more aggressive there. Uh, so that that's in our future for sure. But currently, those are strategies, just three simple strategies, Roth IRAs, uh, uh, 401k, and then real estate. Awesome. So I'm super simple when it comes to investing. If you look at all my accounts, my Roth, uh, 457, 403Bs, literally everything is in VTSAX. Yes, sir. <laughs> So we on the same page. <laughs> same page, man. Same page. It's funny because, uh, you know, if you're if you have a four hundred one k, different brokerages are different, but they'll have you in kind of this, you know, soft, you know, high bond kind of money. You know, sixty percent goes here, sixty percent goes there. Mm-hmm. And I just went in and called those guys and said, "Hey, man, put everything on Vanguard and TSA, hundred percent, because it's it's worked for us, man, and it's really passive." Uh, there's there's flexibility there. If something is not doing good, this other thing boost you know will kind of carry it, and so you see consistent gains there. And if you look at the historical return, it's it's been solid, man. It's rock solid. So yeah, we're VTSAX everywhere, <laughs> everywhere, man. I even did so. Usually, what we do for the so we try to pay our Roth IRA on January second every year, because okay. of course the markets are closed on the first. So what we try to do is save that money each month mm-hmm. up until January 2nd. So we'll save that money every month, the year prior, and then just drop it in on January 2nd. Oh, and I was I was putting it all in like a, a money market account to be safe. Mm-hmm. So I know I'll have that 12 G, those 12 G's on January 2nd. But then somebody said, why don't you just put the money you are saving for VTSAX into VTSAX <laughs> in the brokerage account? And I said, Hey, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. totally because as J.L. Collins says, the, the market gains 75% of the time. It only loses 25% of the time. Right. So, you know, it's a good chance that if you put if you put a ton of money in on the first day, first of the year, that's going to be higher than it was um, yeah. at the end of the year to be higher than it was at the beginning of the year. So that's yeah. what we're doing now. So literally the only account that we don't have everything in VTSAS VTSAX is our 457 because they they don't have it. They offer I, you, I don't know the ticker symbol uh, for the 500 fund, 500 index. Okay, yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So, yeah, I know what you're talking about though. I know what yeah. you're talking about. That's solid too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's solid too. I mean, and then with with Fidelity, so we have our the UGMA accounts for our kids with Fidelity because we're like, well, you know, you need to drop three grand in for for Vanguard. So we, right. we just started with the twenty five dollars a month with Fidelity. And I probably I was thinking, hey, should we 
transfer that over once we get to three grand. But I was like, you know what? I'll just keep it where it is. I mean, it's, it's yeah. really no big deal. But yeah. well, you, you dropped some good stuff, man. And, uh, you know, we're on the same page when it comes to those index funds. Oh, yeah, absolutely. What do you think about crypto, man? You know, man, I just had a conversation with, 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 with a couple of my boys before jumping on this podcast. And they were kind of asking me about crypto. I said, man, I, I really need to I need to do more research on it, man, because yeah. it's funny because in the finance community, even as soon as a year or so ago, it was kind of like, uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. But now it's like it's it, you know, yeah. so I definitely want to know a little bit more about that, man. So it's funny you ask that. I'm, I'm, I'm going to kind of do more of a deep dive on it. But it looks like there's two pieces of it. It looks like the IPO piece where it's like, hey, this is this is like investing in Apple or anything else. It's going up, up, up. Mm -hmm. And then there's a piece of will this be our currency? Will this be a widely used uh, currency? So it's interesting, man. What, what, what are your thoughts on it? Well, my, my thoughts are too, I, I can't remember who said it, but when others are greedy, be fearful. When others are fearful, be greedy. Yeah, so it's, it, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's it, I, I kind of look at it like this. You know, if you look at Facebook or social media, a lot of time your friends are posting about the $5,000 bet that they won yep. on a football game or, or, or a boxing match, but they never post about when they lose. Mm. it's like that with crypto too like you you know obviously there's some success stories in it but for every success story there are probably a ton of people that took a bath with it you know yeah yeah so, you know I, and i'm not saying there aren't a ton of really good opportunities out there i'm just not good enough to 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 take advantage of it i, I can't pick them out like matter of fact i was what's was it doge or dog dog or whatever doge, oh yeah, yeah doge coin yeah like about four years ago i could have put about a thousand dollars into it it'd be worth about a million dollars now you know wow. but i just now and i've beat myself up about it but obviously i didn't know because yeah. what if i put a thousand dollars into it and it went to zero the next day right i'd be beating myself up so i just i said you know what the the index fund they're tried and true i'll just stick with that you know slow and steady wins the race yeah and i showed my kids a video of a, a tortoise and a hare racing <laughs> And all of them said that the hares gonna win, and then they saw how the tortoise stayed the course. Stayed consistent. They stayed consistent. So we just keep maxing things out every year, every month, and yeah. go from there. You know. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's, that that strategy has made many many millionaires as well, man. So absolutely. It's, yeah, it's it's definitely great. Yeah, Don just said index and chill. Crypto will be a key asset class moving forward. Buy and hold. Bitcoin and Ethereum and chill. And I, I agree with him. I think those uh, are here. I think it's here to stay. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's here to stay. I don't know enough about it. And yeah. like, like he said, I'm just I'm just doing the index funds. Like I like J JL Collins says he's gonna hold VTSAX for the rest of his life. He'll never sell it. Yeah. You know, so you know, that's that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, you know, I'm yeah. gonna give people a chance to ask any questions they may have. I'm not gonna hold you that much longer. If they ask questions, we'll try to get them answered. Yeah. Do you have any questions for me or anything? Uh, no, man. I'm just I'm enjoying it, man. I'm enjoying uh your your platform. I kind of did a deep dive on your stuff, man, and I appreciate you having me on, man. This has been a good, great conversation. I always I always appreciate conversations like these. So thank you, man. Hey, man, it's my pleasure. A lot of time you don't you don't have you know black men able to have this space and, and just talk yeah. about money. Yeah, it's 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 so taboo, man. You know, I, I remember growing up, and you know, we would we would save our lunch money and, and buy a Nintendo. Then 
Yeah. A, mo a month later, we had to pawn it, you know? Right, right. So we, I mean, but it, it, it is what it is, you know? And we just had to have those conversations. If it wasn't for my parents and, you know, the hard work that they put in, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in right now. Right. And we we saw them struggle. We, you know, we they had those conversations with us. And yeah. like I said, man, if it wasn't for their their insight, then I, I wouldn't be anywhere close to where I am right now. So I really appreciate that. If uh, if your wife was here right now, what would she say? What would she say about you all your journey? You know, she would she she would be. She, she would want people to know this is what she would say. She would say, if we can do it anyone can do it. You know, that's how she kind of closed out an interview we had recently. Uh, you know, we're just regular people. We're just regular people. We both work W-2, regular jobs, and we've done nothing that's that's abnormal or anything that requires, you know, any special skill. We just, one, uh, set the goal in our mind, and 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 two, we, we put it into action. We put it into action and stay consistent, you know, so... Uh, I think, you know, she would share that with anyone, any any of the listeners is just to to uh, be consistent in your progress towards whatever goal uh, you've set for yourself. Man, that's a great point. Consistency is definitely key. You have to be on the same page with your spouse. Those are some things you need to do. Do you have any other words of advice that you want to give to, you know, to the viewers? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I would just kind of echo that, you know, that consistency piece. Um that that's key, you know. A lot of times, let's say you, you want to uh, start investing this year. The idea of I want to invest, you know, I want to start becoming an investor, feels great. It feels good, feels warm in your heart. But we get to that part where we got to put it into action, and that's when we's like, you know what, uh, this is kind of too hard. I didn't think it was going to be all this, and then we kind of, you know, lay it to the side. But I say push through that second phase right push through that because on the other end it's it's only going to benefit you so push through that that rough patch in whatever you're trying to do and get to that uh next level because in that next level that maintenance level uh there's peace and there's going to be peace of mind because you're actually fulfilling the goals that you set set for yourself good stuff man good stuff now my boy Don just asked a really important question, a, a deep question that we could probably deep dive into. And we probably this probably requires another whole episode. Okay. <laughs> and you you answered part of this earlier, and, and you'll probably know exactly what I'm talking about. But he said, What's the biggest thing holding our community back from building a high level of wealth? Man, I think it's one believing that it's possible. That's what I was talking about. That's what yeah. you said earlier. Yep. In the believing moment. it's possible for you, right? We see the Jay-Zs, we see the Nas's, and we see the, the athletes doing it. And we a lot of times we pass off as, man, they doing their thing. But believing that you can have a piece of that too, I think that is the hardest thing. Because we like to we like to put uh, things out there like, man, that's just them. Or, you know, it can't happen for all of us, though. You know, we like to put limiting beliefs, as I like to call it, on ourselves and on our goals to build wealth. But we got to take, take off those limiting beliefs and believe that, that we can do it too, you know? They, they got two legs just like you do, you know? So I think uh, the limiting beliefs is a big piece that that kind of hold hold us back from building hyper wealth. You gotta just believe you can do it. My thing is, is it doesn't cost you anything to believe that it's possible. It doesn't cost you anything, yeah. you know? And, and but, it's, but it's, it's extremely important 
to fulfilling the goal. You have to first believe you can do it or you will never do it. So I think that that's that's one that I would say. But what about you? What, what do you think? And that's exactly what I was thinking, like your comment earlier about it, it wealth building. But it begins in the mind. Mm -hmm. it, it begins in the mind. But at the same time, it's hard if you don't have those examples in front of you. If all you're around is poverty or if you don't you know, if you don't have those really good examples of people who are wealthy, then it's hard to believe that you can do it. So just being able to see people like you and I have this dialogue is going to tell someone, hey, I can do it or my kids can do it. Right. You know, the, I think the most important book I have ever read in my life was The Millionaire Next Door. It, yeah. I mean, it, it told me that, you know, some people walking around, you think got money, don't have money. And people that yeah. you think have money, have money. And, yes. You know, I, I, I drove a 2003 Honda Pilot for about 15 years, man. I mean, well, I'm sorry. It was about 15 years old, 18 years old when I got rid of it. And I, I got drove, in the garage now. <laughs> <laughs> what year is yours? It's an 03. I got about 270,000 miles on it, man. But hey, yeah. it works. Mine had 263,000 miles on it when I got rid of it, man. And I'm to this day, I beat myself up. I mean, yeah. I had the worst car on campus, but it got me to got me to work every day. Exactly. So, but yeah, yeah man, we still car payment free and it, it's just uh, you know, it's definitely empowering to not have to worry about any payments except for your mortgage payment. Yeah. Absolutely, man. And, and to kind of piggyback that a little bit more, what you were saying, I like to tell people like, hey, you got to curate your the content you consume. You mm -hmm. know, uh, if you know you love being on Instagram, create an Instagram where all the people you follow, all the things you search feed you. Right. Finance and uh, empower, self-empowerment, different things like that. You know, if, if all you consume is just, you know, reaction videos and, and just kind of like sports and, and just junk then you, you you'll never see the world differently than what you see it now so i think a lot of times you have to take yourself into a world where you're surrounded by people who are doing it and that will that in and of itself will be that oh man okay marcus is doing it or you know so-and-so is doing it and so you just have to curate your your content as well i think that that's key man because a lot of us like you said I had to get on a Zoom call with with a brother like yourself and, and get on this podcast to really have this conversation. This would be my conversation for the week because yeah. there's a lot of brothers that can I can talk about this stuff with that are in my closeness circle. So you sometimes have to go virtual and, and create these different platforms where you can talk to like minded people, curate your content, your feeds so that you're man, everything you see is where you want to be. Absolutely. I, I agree, man. And sometimes like sometimes we initiate these conversations. We initiate this dialogue to let people know I want to see you successful, too. You can be successful, too. It, it, but I think people think you're doing it to stunt. And it's just it's not like that. Like the more yeah, I, I believe in lifting as you climb, like yes, who am I? Am I a brother? If if I'm financially successful and I didn't teach you the, the methods or the steps to become financially well off as well, you know? I'm I'm no better than anybody else if I if I can't do that if I'm if I'm holding the secrets to wealth. So yeah, I mean this has just been a, a great dialogue, man. I really appreciate you hopping on. Absolutely. I'm a, I'm gonna switch it one before I let you go, man. I, I saw yeah. where you do your own taper phase. Is that correct? Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I need to clean it up a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, man. I I always wanted to get into barbering. I think right out of high school, uh, if I could do it over again, I would have went into barbering. And that's always a skill that I kind of got in my hip, in my back pocket if I need to yeah. break it out. But really, it's just it, throughout this journey, it became something that I did to save money, man. I mean, yeah. the barbering uh, uh, industry is has ballooned, man. It's it's huge, and you know, it. it cost you 60 60 50 60 dollars to sit in that chair nowadays man to get all this done and so this yeah. is something that i do kind of to save money i do, cut my son's hair you know practice on him so it's been pretty cool i mean if i need to take pictures or do something really nice i might yeah. go hey but this would get me through the week <laughs> <laughs> man yeah there, there are two things i said i will never do the rest of my life i will never cut my own hair and I'll never cut my own lawn. I would try to do that. Like, I feel you though. <laughs> but there have been times when I would cut my son's hair or my own hair just a, a, a even all the way around yeah. out of necessity because we were so broke. So right. yeah, there, there are certain things now where I'm like, nah, I'm I'm a, I'm a pay somebody to do that. So, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> even my wife, even my wife, sometimes like, babe, we we can afford it. Like for anything, I'm like, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be cheap. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah I I had a sofa, man. That it was a, it was a fake. It was like a pleather sofa, and it had like it was it was peeling. Half of it was peeling, and we had it for like two years. And my wife was like, she was like, "Babe, come on, this is ridiculous." And I posted the sofa in a in a, a choose fi group on Facebook. Everybody, yeah. dude, man, chill out. Go get your. You can afford it. <laughs> so I was like, all right. So we went ahead and got a new one, man. But yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, man, I really have appreciated this dialogue. If you can just tell everybody about your your apparel line, all of the various you know, you know methods of communication that you have and, and social media, I'd appreciate it. Cool, man. I, I like I said, I appreciate being on. I appreciate this opportunity. So, I mean, if you want to connect with uh, uh, anything me and my wife are doing, you can check us out at blackmarrieddebtfree.com. And then we also are pretty active on YouTube. Black Married and, and Debt Free. And then also on Instagram at Black Married Debt Free. And then we also have a podcast, Black Married and Debt Free Podcast. Uh, you can check that out on all platforms. Uh, as far as my apparel line, man, uh, uh, Black Owned Apparel, uh, something I started just because I got tired of wearing everybody else's clothes. I got tired of making other people rich. And, you know, I kind of said, well, I want to make something that fits my mindset right now. So uh, it's a clothing line that we, um, advocate and and really want to uh, drive home the narrative of black ownership you know if that's uh, you know in any type of real estate or business or intellectual property whatever it may be we really want to champion that so if you rock with that movement then you could uh, go to my store it's gumroad.com slash blk owned okay I'm on gumroad.com slash BLK owned. And we have a, a lot of different looks and a lot of different colors. Uh, so, yeah, just check it out and, you know, uh, grab you something. <laughs> I might go ahead and get get one of those for, for my line brothers and I, man. We might go ahead and make that happen, my man. Oh, that'd be nice, man. <laughs> well, hey, man, I really appreciate you, man. I look forward to doing this again in the future, and I will definitely be in touch with you. And, and I, I, once again, I appreciate it. Tell your wife I appreciate her allowing you to – you know, share this space with me and we'll definitely be in touch. Okay. Absolutely, man. Thank you so much. All right, my brother. Take it easy, man. All right. You too. All right. Take care.